Welcome to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast, where we desire to connect you with people, teaching, encouragement and resources that will see you and those around you restored to true humanity. Join us as we seek to help you apply the grace of God onto the details of your life. Well, welcome to the Restore Ministries uh, podcast. My name's Peter. I'm the uh, founder and one of the directors of Restore Ministries. Great to have you uh, joining us today. Uh, we're up to episode 11 in our podcast series, and we're going to be looking at conflict in the light of Christmas coming up. Meant to be the season of joy and happiness, but most of us know that there's a few relational kind of tensions that are associated with Christmas as well. Joining me today is uh, Alain Ford. It's a real honour for us to uh, have her today. G'day, Alain. How are you going? Hey, Pete. Good to be here. Yeah, so good to have you. Hey, uh, can you just uh, give us a bit of a snapshot of Alain Ford and uh, where she's uh, where she's come from and what God's got her doing at the moment? Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I feel a bit like Christian in that old classic Pilgrim's Progress. Mm. Um, yeah, so I feel like I'm a fellow traveller on my way to the celestial city. But yeah, yeah, I've taken a lot of tangents <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Um, I'm forgiven. God brings. Uh, other travellers along to share the journey with me and we sort of help each other along the way. Part of my journey at the moment involves helping others in my role as a dispute resolution consultant with the Anglican Church, the Diocese in Sydney, and I'm also travelling with others um, via Zoom in the States. So I've just a couple of years ago finished a Master's in Counselling over there after about 30 years in civil litigation, most of which was as a barrister, um, barrister at law and private practice. That's sort of what motivated me to get into helping with relationships because I was making my bread and butter out of conflict. Mm. And I thought, wow, there's got to be a better way than going to court. So. Yeah. yeah. One of my sons um, wants to be a barrister. He, uh, wow. He, he's probably got a little bit of an appetite for conflict at the moment, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's good. He's really good, buddy. Can you, can you tell, us, tell us some more about that journey for you of um, going from being a barrister into a different, uh, I guess, I mean, you can, you can throw in whatever you think here, but whether it's a different kind of conflict resolution that you've moved into or um, but maybe you can even cash that out for us. Tell, tell us about that journey for you from uh, the barrister kind of side of things into conflict, uh, other conflict resolution. Yeah, so I think I'd been at the bar about 11 years when I was invited to Washington, D.C. to an international Christian lawyers convention. And Mm. Ken Sandy of Peacemaker Ministries was one of the keynote speakers. And he um, set out for us how the Bible has a model for dealing with conflict. And I just thought it was the best thing. I just never realised that Scripture had a roadmap for how we respond Mm. to conflict. And so I was really impressed. And so we put on a Christian Lawyers Convention in Australia uh, the following year in 2001, and we invited Ken Sandy to be our keynote speaker. And and there was about 18 Christian lawyers who were really Mm. also excited about the model. And because we deal with conflict all the time and we see the worst side of humanity uh, in the courtroom and we see how much it costs and how it kills Mm. relationships forever, you know, we were all motivated, wow, we need to do something to try to help Christians in conflict. Mm. And so uh, Peacemaker Ministries trained the 18 of us in 2003 and I uh, met up with Bruce Burgess at that event, who was a lawyer uh, and is a lawyer in Sydney. 
And so as a result of that, we got together a steering committee and we started PeaceWise, which mm. is a, an organisation to help train and mediate conflict in Australia, in all states. And I just felt, I started doing some online classes with CCEF in the States yep. in about 2011, because I really felt like I needed more tools. Mm. Because the difference is, even though I was a, a secular mediator as a barrister, you're just dealing with the substantive material issues mm. in those sorts of things. And you're just trying to broker a deal yep. about who gets the house and how much money is going to be paid for this. And But when you're dealing with Christians in conflicts, we're dealing with relationships, we're dealing with personal issues. And I felt like I had no tools. And so... Interesting. Um, I really thought, thought I needed to understand how to help people with their personal relationships as mm. well in order to help with conflict. So in 2016, I sacked myself from my practice <laughs> and, uh, and went over to CCF and then did a, a master's at Westminster Theological Seminary in biblical right. counselling and then worked as an intern at CCF and then as a trainee counsellor. Yeah, and on. my husband and I returned to Australia in the middle of December last year and mm. I started my role here in Sydney with the uh, Anglican Church, the Sydney Diocese, and uh, also also consulting and, and helping others in conflict whenever yeah. I'm asked. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's so good. What What's harder, do you think? Is it uh, you think when you think about, and you drew the uh, comparison there between your work as a barrister um, with some kind of conflict resolution there that was going on as, an, as a barrister compared to the relational conflict resolution that that scripture leads us toward, um, which one's harder, do you think? Um, I think it's much harder dealing with personal relationships than just yeah. trying to cut a deal. Mm. So if, if I'm a mediator in, in, a, in a case, uh, a court case, and we're trying to settle out of court, you know, there is an issue, there's a legal issue and there's the law and what it says about the legal issue and there's differing opinions as to how that law should be interpreted and what that means in terms of resolution. But mm. it's not, it, it's not, I mean, they don't all settle that way. Sometimes the judge has to be the umpire and make the decision. But I think when you're just dealing with substantive material issues, it's much easier than when you get involved in personal issues where the emotions and the fear mm. and the desires and, mm. and the, the track record of the parties their history together all of that comes into play mm. now if we're following god's roadmap and everyone is committed to following god's roadmap then it should be easier than yeah. than even resolving a court case because god clearly tells us how to deal with conflict mm. one of the things i often say in the church up here is that sin always makes things more complicated it, yes. it always tangles things and uh, I mean, we we get into conflict situations because most of the time because someone sinned. I mean, sometimes I think it's probably possible you could just have a difference and you've got to kind of work that out. But when there's sin in the mix, it uh, it, it can make it really tricky sometimes. And not only sin, Peter. Uh, I I'm fascinated as to why people can have a completely different interpretation of the same set of yeah. words. Yep. Completely different. 
what is it that drives our interpretation? What mm. are all the pieces? What are all the moving pieces that mm. go to make up people's interpretation? Now, two of the big ones are fear and desire, which are mm. the two sides of the same coin. Mm. They have a huge pull in the way someone can interpret a set of words or an incident. Yeah, um, absolutely. A, a, huge, a huge impact. And so none of us are seeing clearly. We've, we all have a built-in bias. So mm. if, if I feel inadequate as a person, I'm going to be on hyper alert for criticism. Yeah. My little antenna is going to pick up criticism even when it isn't there because I'm wanting to self-protect mm. and I'm wanting to see it coming before, you know, I, I, I want to see it coming so I can self-protect. And therefore I'm going to pick up criticism when it isn't even there because I'm on, on you always see you always find what you're looking for so we need to be saying Lord we it's humility we need to come yeah. to the Lord and say Father would you mm. help me see this situation the way you see it mm. because I don't trust my own interpretation I've got a bias I've got a built-in mm. self-deception because of what I'm wanting and what I'm fearing mm. and when we learn to see things the way God sees them, his spirit can move on our heart and give us wisdom, scripture helps us, then, then it's not so hard. Yeah. And I think that's why we need the body of Christ because we need other people to help us see ourselves. Yeah, so absolutely. recently, recently I met with a couple for five hours and said, would you please help me see myself? What am I missing here? I know I'm not seeing the mm. whole picture. Mm. And these godly people were able to review my correspondence, listen to my story, and were able to hold up the mirror and say, hey, have you ever thought of this? Mm. And they were able to say, I think that you're missing the significance of a particular thing. Um, I think you're missing the emotional baggage that goes along with mm. how you deal with your money. And I'm going, wow, I'd never even thought of that. So they gave me a new way of looking at things. They didn't give me a solution to the problem, but they helped me see something that I was missing. So we need each other. Yeah, we do. We need, we need to seek out wise, trusted people mm. whose opinion matters and we respect. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's, that's critical and that's not even a kind of post-fall kind of um, approach, is it? I mean, I think it's a pre-fall kind of created reality that that we just don't see all the things that we need to see and um, we, we need other people to, to see things clearly. Um, track so, I, yeah, go. I, so when I was a gardener, we had a farm mm. and I was looking at a tomato steak one day and when you look at the tomato steak from a ladder, and you look straight down on the top of the tomato steak, it looks like the steak is only about, I don't know, less than 12 inches tall mm. because of your angle. If you're lying in the garden bed and looking up the tomato steak, it looks incredibly long. See, no one's got a 360 degree view yeah, of any right. situation except the Lord. Mm. Only mm. he can see all the moving parts. And I think one thing I learned as a lawyer, as a barrister in court, it only takes one missing piece of data, piece of evidence to completely change the complexion of every other piece of data that's before the court. Yeah, yeah. You can, a case can flip 
on the basis of whether a door is closing or opening. Mm. So mm. I can remember running a case when I was a baby barrister. Do you want this story? Yeah, yeah, tell us. Hog in the time. <laughs> <laughs> so baby barristers cut their teeth in advocacy down in the magistrate's court in crash and bash cases, and I was acting for a motorcyclist who was riding his bike down a narrow laneway when he told me that a lady opened the door of her parked vehicle in the laneway right in front of his bike and he smashed into it and smashed his face and his bike so he was suing her and I was asked before court well who's going to win and I said well if the court accepts that she opened the door without looking first if it was safe to open the door she'll be found liable but Mm. of course well not of course quite surprisingly she was able to call her hairdresser and bring the appointment book and prove that she had just left the hairdressers and was getting into her car and closing the door. So it was my client who didn't see her walk up to the car, unlock it, open the door, get in, and was in the process of closing the door. So who was failing to keep a proper lookout? The motorcyclist. So one small fact completely changes the case. And we are finite. We're finite human beings. We don't have all the facts. So Mm. we need grace and humility towards others mm. and before the Lord. Yeah, that's some uh, some really good starting points uh, for people there. So let me let me just transition a little bit more um, specifically to Christmas. Um, I think uh, in the early years of uh, preaching at the project, I I um, well, I just thought Christmas was going to be a great day, so I'd get up and I'd preach a Christmas Day sermon and. It became uh, apparent quite uh, quite quickly to me that there are a lot of people that Christmas Day was a day where there were going to be a lot of good things happen, but there was also going to be a lot of tension because it's traditionally where families get together and um, and relationships in families are not always smooth and in good places when the family gets together. And do you do you have any just general kind of initial thoughts on? I mean, we get into some particular conflict scenarios people might be experiencing at Christmas time, but um, do you have any general kind of thoughts that would be helpful, like practical things for people moving into Christmas where they're likely to land on Christmas Day spending four hours with a bunch of people they like and then also with a bunch of people that they're related to, which maybe they don't like as much. Uh, You got any general thoughts on that? Probably remembering how we've been forgiven, what Christ did for us, our own sins that have been forgiven. So that gives us eyes of grace. Yeah. And we can cry out to God and say, Lord, like David did in Psalm 51, Lord, help me to want to obey you. Help me to want to love this person who Mm. I actually don't like. Mm. And, And he gives us the ability to move towards people in love. Yeah. It's so easy to try to avoid or to, mm. um, yeah, you know the old adage that we either flee, we either fight or flight yeah. in response to yeah. hard things. We either go in fighting or we go in avoiding and denying. Mm. So I think it's a really good idea to actually sit down and think about what is it that makes me want to avoid and flee and deny and just leave the scene and what is it that makes me want to fight this person because digging down and looking at what's happening in my heart is very informative when I'm feeling that I want to flee the scene 
or pretend nothing's wrong, there's usually an element of fear. Yeah. 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 And when I'm wanting to fight the person, it's because I'm wanting something too much. Mm. Whereas mm. if I think about where God is, who he is, what he's like and what he's doing in my life and in my family's life, then I will have the courage to move forward in love mm. and I will hold my desires loosely so they don't become demands because demands create pushback. Yeah, yeah. They land heavily on people. Mm. So, yeah, thinking about the fight yeah. flight thing might help. Yeah, that's helpful. Hey, uh, what I might do is I'll, uh, I'll throw out a, a number of um, specific uh, scenarios uh, your way and uh, if you can just give us uh, whatever wisdom you've got there which sounds like there's plenty um, but if you can give us whatever wisdom you've got about how to handle some of these things uh, I think that that'd be great so obviously genders you know for those for our listeners if you want to change another gender in uh, you're welcome to do that but let me let me lay out this uh, scenario to get us started this particular person's got a brother-in-law who they find being with quite difficult uh, particularly when they get together for extended periods of time, like over Christmas. When they get together, most of the conversations with him are just filled with controversial opinions. And he's pretty aware of the fact that other people get upset with these controversial opinions, but he tends to go ahead and just say them anyway. How, how would someone in that situation approach and handle family events with him uh, when, when it just feels like there's it's inevitable that there's going to be some heated conflict. Pray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. That's a good one. Always well, good to start there. Know that the Lord is sovereign and that he's got our back and yeah. so we don't need to fear. But here's something really interesting. It's always challenging to relate to someone who's expressing um, opinions so different from our own because intimacy and friendship are built by you too experiences. Oh, you too like that restaurant. Oh, you too love that movie. So those sorts of things bring closeness. Mm. The opposite, the challenge to intimacy and friendship is whenever there's different opinions expressed. And you know just from the recent US elections mm. how if someone said to you they're a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter, how easy it is to slip into wow, you're that sort of person, yeah. we, we are so quick to have a negative judgment and an assumption about a person because of the opinion that they hold and we, yeah, we concertina the two things mm. together and we, we equate their opinion with who they are as a person and mm. as soon as we start thinking negatively about them, we're going to have negative emotions because mm. our emotions come from the way we think and then before long we're going to do or say something uh, a behaviour is going to flow out of our emotions yeah. and that'll just trigger a cycle. So so instead of holding the opinion of the brother-in-law against him, why not go, well, I wonder what's going on for this guy? Mm. You know, we don't know why it is that he's expressing um, these opinions like this. What's he wanting? What's going on for him? Like I'm wondering whether he's expressing these controversial views because he wants attention does yeah. he want love yeah. is he doing this because he's bored silly at these events and he's just trying to stir up a bit of excitement to mm. keep him interested mm. or is he angry and wanting to punish mm. so we just don't know what's motivating him so why not use it as an interesting journey to move towards him in love and find out what's going on for him hey tell me more about that 
I, I really want to know why you think that. And, yeah, yeah. and, and I'm really curious, you know, humble, gentle, gracious. Yeah. Um, and, and, and why do you, you know, I'm really interested to know why you think that this is a good time to talk about it. Do you think that you're trying to generate some, some, something interesting, some, an interesting conversation? Mm. You, do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. try to unpack what's going on for him is the way I'd get into that without feeling at all threatened because we're not threatened. Mm. The Lord is sovereign. He's mm. got our back. Yeah, he does. So would you, do you think this person, they could disagree, they could give an alternative opinion? Are those are those things on the table for you, do you think, or not? Absolutely. Say, yeah. are you interested in hearing my view about that? You yeah. know? Or, or I'm not even sure what I think about that. What about this? Mm. You know, there's ways of discussing. But I'd be wanting to know what's going on for him. If he's if he's really being if he's really stirring the pot, where's that coming from? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's help me understand what's going on for you. I'm just wondering why you raised that now, Brett, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I can he's, see he's that got a name I see now. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I can see you getting some looks there. So I'm just wondering, you know, yeah. what's going on for you? Yeah. Yep. All right, I let don't me, know. That's good. That's helpful. Yeah. Let me, let me throw another one your way. Um, uh, this particular person's in a family where there's been a long-term ongoing conflict for a number of years, uh, growing up and, and, and through kind of to adulthood, this particular person's mother has been controlling, manipulative and just downright kind of nasty. Over the years uh, of this kind of uh, stuff going on, it just feels like love for her has kind of dwindled away. Uh, any kind of time that this uh, particular person spends with them or, or with their siblings with their mother um, is really just out of duty you know they get together with her they feel that that pain of uh, unresolved hurt and conflict they've tried to talk uh, before about some of their feelings to do with this but they just can't seem to get through to have that good conversation how would how would someone like that manage uh, a relationship where there's kind of that obligation to care for their mother, yet kind of every time they get together with their mother, they get hurt when they get together. You, you got any thoughts on that one? It's really sad. It's terribly sad because the mother is her own worst enemy. Mm. She is obviously craving something that she must have and the way she's going about trying to get it by power and control and manipulation, she's getting the very thing she fears. Mm. And That's whenever good. we must have something, whenever we demand something, it creates pushback, as I said, it lands heavy. And when we don't get it, it's so easy for our natural instincts to start blaming the other person for not giving us what we want and then to judge and mm. then to punish them. Because we think that by blaming, judging and punishing them, we will force them into giving us what we want. And mm. we don't realise we end up getting the very thing we fear. Yeah. So she probably is, is wanting affection and love and the way she goes about it it's the very last thing that she gets mm. so in, instead of um we've got to get to a place i think where we feel compassion for her mm. and try to understand what's going on for her so that we're not just looking at the punishment that we're receiving from her as being personal because it may not be. It's just an expression of her pain. Mm. She's lost in her pain and so she's lashing out. 
I found that book by uh, Alistair Groves and Winston Smith called Untangling Emotions really mm. helpful. Mm. Chapter 10 of that book actually has a script for relating. Mm. So, so if mother does something that's really harsh and manipulative and downright nasty, what a daughter could do is say, hey, mum, when you said that, it made me feel like you don't care about me. And I'm wondering what it was like for you when you said that. I'm, I really want to know what was going on for you. Mm. And then if she can, in her gentle, humble, gracious, vulnerable approach to mother, encourage mother to say what was going on for her, then Alistair Grove says the second step is to say, so this is what it was like for you, mum. You were really upset because I hadn't rung you and you were mm. waiting to hear from me so you felt like I didn't care about you. And so even though what the mother's saying could be totally wrong, you honour her by repeating back what she said mm. so, that, so that mother knows that she's being heard. And then you check in with her and say, am I hearing you right? Is that what's going on for you? And then daughter can say so mum how can we do this differently because I really don't want us to get into this situation where you're feeling unloved because I thought that I had wrung you mm. and you know and but I'm obviously not seeing how this is landing on you so how can we do this differently and Alistair Groves unpacks that script at yeah. some length yeah. all the moving pieces that go into making that an effective script because mm. we're wanting to dig down and find out what's going on for the mother. Where's this coming from? She's punishing for a reason. Yep. She's going about trying to be little God and meet her own needs instead of relying on the sovereign God to meet her mm. needs. Mm. So what what would you do in that scenario if the mum just doesn't, you know, you go through that that process, you've uh, you've read the chapter in the book. You go through the process, and the mum doesn't play ball. She she doesn't want to talk about that. She's as caustic as you like the whole way through that process. Uh, what what would your thoughts be on that? I think that you can pray for wisdom as to how to have an imaginative, um, creative approach to the brick wall, to mm. the caustic brick wall, yeah. and then you might get to a stage where you say, Mum, I find it really soul-destroying interacting with you when you say mm. things like that. It just pushes me down. You know, I'm, I'm wondering whether to improve our relationship we need to step back from one another for a period okay. yeah. and just communicate by email while we're trying to sort this out, although I'm not a fan of using writing either text messages or emails yeah. as a way to sorting things out because mm. it doesn't come with um, emotion and body language. Mm. But, the, but there might need to be a period of separation in order for the mother to realise the impact she's having. Mm. So I'm dealing with a, a, a one case of um, where the wife has been wanting to have counselling for 20 years mm. because of the, the difficulties in the marriage. And she had to leave in order to, she had to leave, actually leave the home, move out with her things before her husband could see that she couldn't keep taking it anymore. And now they're in marriage counselling mm. with a view to reconciling. So sometimes we've got to step back in order yeah. to jump forward. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. 
let me let me throw another scenario your way. You're doing well. Um, unexpected conflict is is kind of the category for this one. Um, and and so I think what we're thinking here is what about um, we get together at Christmas time. Uh, typically, this particular person is someone that we have always gotten along well with, but um, things just get weird because it's 2020, right? Um, and coronavirus happened and lockdown happened and the weirdness of the stresses on people through 2020 mean that when we get together at Christmas, this family member, this friend that we typically don't really have any issue with, we get on really well, all of a sudden stuff starts happening there and they start relating in ways that that are just kind of damaging to the relationship between you and them and you're kind of going, man, this is not it's not normally us it's not normally them but it kind of lands you know in a landed in our lap it landed in my lap what what thoughts would you have about about that one so i would remind myself not to take it personally and just think wow what's going on for this person Mm. it's really easy to just be focusing on the hurt that we're receiving and and focusing on how hard this is for me but if the lord can help us to think about the other person wow what must be going on for them and to move in towards them and say hey tell me you know this something's something's hard for you hey tell me more and Mm. and that love and concern for the other person and see them as lost in their own pain so Mm. that they're not aware of their impact and don't take it personally and move towards a person in love, you might discover what's going on for them. Mm. Because people usually lash out when they're in pain. So you're wanting to try to hear what their pain is and take them to the, to the healer, our father, Mm. pray for them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Don't, don't be triggered by the the barbs that they're sending out your way. Don't be triggered. You're safe. No one can mess up your life because God is sovereign. Mm. He's always at work weaving everything together for our good and his glory, Romans mm. 8, 28 to 39. What an encouragement that is. So we don't need to take it personally. We can try to find out what's going on for them and minister to them. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that, I mean, that's a, um, it's a, a beautiful foundation that the Lord gives us to, uh, to have that security and the importance of just making sure that we are plugged into that that's an anchored into that strong foundation there so that we, um, cause I think, I mean, my experience this year has just been that throughout the year, weird things have just happened and weird relational things have happened where you just kind of go, well, that's weird. Like we don't normally do that. And why are they doing that? And, and how do we get here? And it's like, okay, we, everyone just needs to keep a cool head yeah. <laughs> in this moment. And what better way to keep a cool head than to know God's, oversight of all things is his promise to make all things uh, turn out for good for those who love him who are called according to his purpose you know that, what what better way to um to be cool calm and collected than to uh to be assured of those things that's helpful what about see see, see can i just say yeah, that yeah. we've got to be so careful in this situation to mm. not let them trigger us because usually mm. when someone lashes out and does something hurtful our response is to have 
some sort of reaction that just continues the hurt into a downward yeah. spiral. Yeah. So if we react to, to what they did to us by lashing out back, then they'll lash out mm. again and it'll just spiral down. Mm. So we don't want to go that way. We want to remember how that even in the midst of a storm, we can be calm and at peace and just saying, Lord, help. Yeah. Where are you? What's yeah. going on for them? Help me to be wise and loving in this situation. Absolutely. That's one of the uh, one of the things I say to, uh, I've got four sons, and one of the things I say to my sons, because, you know, family of six, so the six sinners living in a house together, which is going to go well. Uh, well, it does <laughs> most of the time, by the grace of God, but every now and then, uh, or maybe more than every now and then, but one of the boys will um, will sin against his brother, and his brother will want to do exactly what you're talking about, kind of lash out yeah. in response. And one of my lines, and it, it's not entirely helpful, but it does stop them and help them to think a little bit about it, is I just say, did you think what he did to you was wrong? And they go, yeah, it was. That's why I'm really upset. And I'm just going, well, why would it be a good and right thing for you to fall into line with the way that he just operated and do the same thing back to him? Um, because it, it makes, you know, I, I say to them, what you're going to end up with is not cleaning up a mess, but you're going to end up with a bigger mess because what he yes. did in the first place was wrong and you're just going to add yes. your, your stuff onto the pile there, you know. Two wrongs don't make a right, they say. Hey? Totally, totally. What about, um, let me just give you a couple more just to, just to finish off today. Um, what about where the conflict doesn't have anything to do with you, but you get together on Christmas Day, for example, or in the lead up to Christmas and um, it's two family members who are kind of, um in conflict you know there's tension there and it, it's a wet blanket on uh on the the rest of the festivities and it's not like you've got direct involvement in it but you're you just know that they're going to bring this into the christmas festivities everyone knows about it no one's really talking about it that much how can people navigate that one I don't know if you've come across that resource that CCF puts out and it's a diagram with two circles and the inner circle is our responsibility, what God calls mm. us to do. And the greater circle around that inner circle is our area of concern. Yep. And it's really important to be able to work out, is this something God's calling me to do? Is there something I need to obey him about here? Or does this fall within my circle of concern for mm. which God calls me to trust him. Yeah. So right. first of all, ask yourself, is this my responsibility where I have to obey or is this my area of concern where God calls me to trust? So from what you're saying, it falls into the wider circle of an area of concern where we trust the Lord, we pray to the Lord, we ask the Lord, is there anything that I can do to pour oil on troubled waters mm. or is this something where you just want me to not be fearful not let external yeah. circumstances uh, upset my own inner peace. Mm. So is this a case of trusting you mm. or is this a case of actually walking into the storm and trying to do something? So it's a wisdom question. But from what you say, it's, it's just my area of concern. Mm. And for that, I pray and ask for wisdom and mm. trust the Lord that he's got, he's got it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. One of the things I um, I love uh, to see, and uh, I'd love to see more of it, it feels like our culture could have more of it, is uh, people who can just go into situations like that and just be, um, yeah, just gracious and loving, uh, bring a light into that place. 
Um, we we it's talk. It's called courage. Yeah. It's called courage. Yeah. Go go with that. What, Unflap- what do you mean? Unfl- unflappable courage. Yeah. So it's just that we can be intimidated by mm. knowing that two family members are in in conflict, and we can let it dampen us. Mm. Whereas actually. It doesn't need to at all. We we know the Lord's got the situation under control and that no yeah. one can mess up um, the Lord's plan for our lives mm. so we can be confident to be joyful in mm. a storm. Yeah, yeah. It's that, um, you know what it makes me think about it? It, it, um, th- it makes me think about the words of Jesus um, about uh, don't be overcome with darkness. Um, don't be, and, and Paul talks about, I think, that. Uh, in Romans there, I think, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. Um, God give us um, more peace peacemakers rather than uh, peacekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> or breakers or fakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think you've got to be wise to know whether these two people are angry with each other. If they're angry, you don't try to dip your toe in at all and okay. say, back off because that's just going to poke the bear and make it worse mm. um, if they're if they're angry. Mm. So, yeah, but moving towards them in love, what does love look like in this situation? Yeah. Lord, give me the courage to love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's finish off uh, here with this last, it's kind of a scenario but not. And the reality is that we can talk all we want about the other people that are a problem in conflict, but the reality is that we... We create problems ourselves, so we we blow it. We uh, we sin against people. We are the ones, as you mentioned earlier, who don't understand and don't see the things that we need to see. Can you take us through what you think is a healthy and good kind of conflict resolution uh, when we're the ones that have created the problem? What well, what should we do with that? So Ken Sandy advocated uh, and and jump on the Peacewise website, and there's some free resources where you'll see this. Uh, he, he advocates reorienting our heart, first of all, and realising who God is, where he is, what he's up to, and that our role as his children is to bring him glory mm. and, instead of fighting and trying to get what we want or fleeing. So reorient our heart with glorifying God and then ask the Lord to help us get the log out of our own eye. Yeah. Help me see what, what I'm contributing to this. And then go to that other person with a, a, what Ken Sandy has devised as a 7A apology. It's a very effective way of apologising. It's not enough to just say, I'm sorry, will mm. you forgive me? Uh, we, it, there's more involved where we need to own what we've done and be quite specific about it and acknowledge how we've hurt the other person and say that we want to alter our behaviour and do it differently. So there is a bit of a recipe for a good apology yeah. and that's on the Peacewise website. So it's just peacewise.org.au if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, and then we want, to, we want to go to the other person and say, uh, using something like the script for a lady, once we've dealt with the log in our own and I apologise, later on we might want to say, hey, just so you know, when you said this, it landed really hard on me, it made me feel mm. this, you know, what was going on for you? So you're wanting to hold up the mirror and help the other person to perhaps see the impact of their behaviour. Yep. And then and then we, wanted, we want to say to them, look, how can we do this differently? So we want to reconcile. But... Even reconciliation is not going to rebuild broken trust. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Broken trust, th- that takes a journey because it's a thousand little things yeah. of love, care, kindness, thoughtfulness, and being trustworthy mm. that rebuilds that trust. So it takes time. Yeah. But we can ask, you know, what, what can I do to help mm. rebuild our relationship? Because I feel that there is still distance there, even though we've forgiven one another. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. That's uh, one of the things that I talk about a little bit um, in Restore Ministry stuff is that the recon- is reconciliation and the relational rebuild are two different uh, yep. realities that are going you on bet. there. So, that's right. Yeah, you bet. Listen, we, um, we just really appreciate you giving your time to us. We normally finish a uh, Restore Ministries podcast with a, uh, a key scripture and uh, that's normally chosen by the person who's, who's sharing with us. Uh, so have you got a scripture that you'd like to to uh, share with us and perhaps why it's why you think it's important. Yeah, Pete, I really love Philippians 4, the whole chapter really, because it starts off talking about the conflict between uh, Iodia and Syneche. And I think what the, the Paul is writing there is very relevant to conflict. He says in Philippians 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Mm. How that changes things Mm. when we know the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, including conflict, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, we cool. have the peace of God guarding mm. us. Mm. We are safe. Mm. And look, if he gave up his son for us as a sacrifice for our sins, he won't withhold anything good from us. Mm. We're his beloved spoilt children in whom he's very well pleased. Yeah. So we're safe. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks so much, Elaine, and uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. It's been a real treat to uh, have you on. Um, great to chat with you yeah yeah you uh you have a great christmas hey thank you you too pete (laughs) bye now see ya thank you for listening to the restore ministries australia podcast if today's episode was a blessing to you and you would like to support our ministry please visit www.restoreministries.com.au forward slash donate every generous donation is used to further equip and serve the broader church to see people restored to true humanity. Or if you would like to access further articles, videos and resources, please visit our website, restoreministries.com.au and head to our resources page. Restore Ministries Australia, a catalyst for Christ-centred change.